0: Welcome to the Purdue Basketball Podcast. I'm Elliot Bloom, joined by the voice of the Boilermakers Hall of Famer, Larry Clisby, and today, uh, episode 42 here on the podcast, and we welcome in Vince Edwards, uh, our last of the four seniors that we've, we're going to talk to here on the podcast. The other three, other three beat you to the punch, Vince, but we got you on now. And uh, had uh, uh, We've had a lot of uh, requests for this, so we've got a boilerballpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, email address which all of our listeners are aware of and one of the most requested guests we've had over the last month has been you so I um, wow. had a, a few f- heard from a number of fans that all stated that they've heard from the other three seniors and they wanted to get you on so here we go um, as we tape this you're coming down the home stretch of your uh, Purdue career and I'm talking more on the academic side um, got a couple weeks to wrap things up finals week on the horizon and then, uh, kind of out in the real world, huh? So, has it has it kind of hit you that the time here in West Lafayette is is growing shorter and shorter?
1: Yeah, I tell you, when the time hit me, is uh, winning the three on three tournament, didn't realize I filled out a W two before that, so taxes got into that. So that made me that made me hit the real world right there, right away. But no, uh, it's a so real moment to be kind of winding down the time here and just kind of walking through campus and going to class and realizing these are my last couple steps here last couple days me and PJ just took a final and we feel really good about it in our class so <laughs> we gotta feel like we got a burden off our chest because we feel like we're, we're that much closer to graduating and it, it's been a lot of fun though the career here has been nothing you know short of great it's been it's been amazing for me and you know having the other three guys with me as well and then some of the teammates I've had that's come and gone whether they left early or graduated early it, it's been great.
0: Well, one of the things I, I, I talked to the other three guys about this when we when we had them on the show, and, and that's the fact that you guys are such a unique class, because when you came on campus, uh, you played, and you especially, um, you played heavy minutes as a freshman. I mean, all four years, you've logged heavy minutes for this team, and uh, it's going to be a little unusual next year when... when we take the floor for that first time. There's no number 12 out there. Um, it's going to be a little unusual for, I think, all of us around the program. I mean, not just our fans watching, but everybody associated with it. You've been kind of that rock for four years. Um, you, you missed a f- couple games down the stretch here this year. But other than that, you have you were a rock for us. Um, I want to I read some of these numbers just to kind of, I mean, it's amazing what you were able to accomplish here. First player in school history with 1,500 career points. 700 rebounds and 400 assists and to me that is amazing when you think about all the guys who have played here in this program and just the third college player in the last 25 years now this is nationally third college player in the last 25 years to have 1600 points 750 rebounds 400 assists 150 threes and the other two guys were Denzel Valentine at Michigan State and Gerald Honeycutt from Tulane and uh, I know our fans know Valentine but Gerald Honeycutt was a tremendous player and uh amazing when you look at the numbers you put up here um and like i said it's it's, it's going to be surreal for us to to not see you out on the floor for us next year but just a, a tremendous career um in terms of the numbers you're able to put
1: up yeah i mean you know more credit to teammates and you got uh, coaching staff more than anything for that just being in the position and being able to be successful like you said logging heavy minutes as a freshman and having to worry about coming in right away and try to help him contribute in any way I could. So just try to stay as versatile as possible and just play as free as possible. I think that was when I was at my best. But yeah, it's gonna be crazy next year to realize, you know, not run out of tunnel anymore as a player. Like right. next time I walk through here or come through a tunnel, it's a it's a spectator or an alumni. So that that feels weird for me to even say that sitting here right now. But to turn the channel on next year and realize that I'm not gonna be on the court wearing a Purdue jersey, I think it's going to be the craziest thing for me, or to wake up and, you know, I'm not on campus anymore, or not, hey, not worry about you texting me going to breakfast, <laughs> or texting, which would be nice, but, you know, texting about study tables and um, training tables and everything like that, like, it's just, it's going to be a little bit weird, you know, it's more structured, you know, going to a professional world, people are not going to be as caring, like, if you don't show up, like, oh, well, like, that's on you, you'll deal with the consequences later, but... I think that's, that's the biggest thing is making that adjustment of just always having you know people who really care for you and care about you.
2: Well, that really, I mean, you bring up a really good point because I can remember in my day, which is uh, several generations ago, but no one gave you, uh, didn't really care if you showed up or not. And if you didn't show up, then you didn't play or you weren't on the team, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to have that uh, support occasionally. And you're right now that you're headed to a professional career, those things don't happen. Everything is, you know, is up to you. So sometimes when those uh, things become an irritant to you, you'll you'll miss them, I bet you, when it's all said and done. Hey, I got to ask you a question. Are you going to graduate on time?
1: (laughs) Yes, sir. Uh, (laughs) Looks great for me. It looks like I'll be graduating May 11th at 7.30 p.m.
2: Boy, that's great because, uh, you know, a lot of people, well, there are a lot of people out there listening that understand that uh, that's hard to do. And I know that Purdue has now gone to a, a three-year program, and I've, I've seen more and more athletes been able to uh, get degrees in three years. Heck, it took me three years to figure out I was at one or two different colleges, and it took me <laughs> seven years. Took me seven years from the time I graduated from high school to the time I got my degree, and I got my degree. I got my degree in two and a half years. I did my last uh, three and a half years in two and a half years because <laughs> I got out of the army, and I finally figured out maybe I should get my degree before I'm fifty. And, and I got it. But that, that's, uh, that's really great, Vincent. I know most of the guys did the same.
0: Well, worth noting, too, and I mentioned this in the intro, uh, Cliz is now a Hall of Famer inducted into the Indiana Sportscaster Sports Sportswriters Hall of Fame uh, a couple weekends ago and now is uh, on remote location joining us here on the podcast. But uh, Cliz, uh, an official uh, podcast. Congrats on that honor. And uh, from now on, you'll be introduced as the Hall of Famer, big time. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: as I tell most people around me, that uh, what does that mean? That means normally that you've had a career that's spanned at least forty-five or fifty years. <laughs> they, have, they have to, they have to give you something if they figured you are that dumb to stick around that long. But hey, that was a, that was a, that was a, a really, really great day. And I know Elliot, you shared it with me, which was wonderful enough. Man, I I I was just uh, I was overcome by it. to Be honest with you, but I'm I'm really appreciative and humble about it, and um, thank you. But you don't have to put that. Even though I autograph everything now with an H O F at the end, (laughs) (laughs) doesn't mean you have to call me a Hall of Famer every time. I I would too if I was you. (laughs) Uh,
0: So back to vent. Back to the
2: real Hall of Famer now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, exactly. Someone to put up some big numbers. Some big numbers, and
0: and. uh Vince, I want to ask you when you guys got here as a freshman, um, which only doesn't not seem like it's four years ago. It seems like it was just a short time ago. Um, but I can actually remember. Well, first I remember your visit here, uh, your official visit, and football was playing. Were we playing Notre Dame or Michigan? Notre
1: Dame was homecoming night.
0: Yeah, it was the home. It was the game against uh, Notre Dame, mm-hmm. and it was a big day on campus. Campus was packed. We did a pregame. Um, tailgate type thing over in the Mollenkopf building beforehand and I remember you walking up to coach and committing Mm -hmm. and I remember seeing it all go down and just I forget who I was standing next to but I told somebody I said you know what I said this is a big deal right here so we just we just got a good one and uh and it obviously panned out um but just talk about the steps that led you here and then that first summer when you four guys arrived five guys along with Jaquiel, and uh, kind of how that turned out
2: yeah
1: i mean it was, it was just going through the recruiting process it's just kind of snowballed one after another uh, once you get your first offer uh which was archie <laughs> out when he, when he was originally at date and that was the first one and then they kind of just came in after that you know coach huggins started coming to open gyms coach penner started coming you know, John Beeline and Michigan started coming, so they were just all kind of coming in at once. And it was kind of like a – that's a real moment. These are guys you see coaching on ESPN, coaching in Elite 8, Sweet 16s, you know. It was like, man, you don't see these guys every day, and they're walking into a, a small city in Middletown, Ohio, in the gym just to see a six, 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 seven kid that's slender, you know, slinky, built. <laughs> just, just a lean-out guy, but to, you know, come on Purdue campus, I would visit here so many times, but – I think it just it felt right for me off the simple fact that Coach Painter was always around for everything I did, whether it was an open gym, as a practice. It can be, you know, AAU tournaments. And it wasn't the big AAU tournaments. I'm not talking about, like, EYBL, things like that. All coaches went to that. Right. He would go to, like, some of the small tournaments. I can be played locally in Cincinnati, Ohio. Coach Painter would make sure he was there. And I think that's what separated him from the other coaches. You know, it's just he showed that I was that priority for him and for this program. And I think that's what led to me coming here so much. And then on that official visit, like not even worrying about taking the other ones because I was just like, this is right. Because if he's put this much time in me and I've been here so much, and every time I've been on here, I was nice people everywhere. I, I went or walked with my mom. Everyone's really helpful in their hands. And it was just a really active and family environment that I really liked about Purdue. So that day of waking up, I remember mean, my parents were going to let me go to the tailgate by myself. was like, we don't need to go. We'll see at the game. And I kind of looked at him. I was like, "No, you guys need to come." Like, I think, I think this is it. And I was like, "Oh, all right. Well, we'll get dressed." So we all got dressed, and we came over here. And I just came up to Coach Payne, and I told him I was committing. And I just remember when we were walking to the football game, like it was ridiculous. It was like not only was I walking with Coach Payne because everybody liked Coach Payne, it was like, "Oh, he committed!" Like, and it was a frenzy. Like I've never been a part of anything like it. And I think that's what, what really, you know, got me is just how. How quick they were to surround and support, you know, the family, the team, the basketball environment. You know, Lafayette doesn't have a professional team, so we're almost like professionals to people around here. And we got to kind of carry that image as, you know, athletes, student athletes, whether we're on the field or on the court or wherever, you know, whatever it is that you may do. So that day was just so crazy to me because I can remember everyone shaking my hand, people just walking up to me, you know. Having to do an interview, like it was, it was ridiculous. But it was probably, you know, a moment that I'll never forget.
0: Well, I know that uh, obviously you five guys come in, and and uh, it's been well documented. and We've talked about it a lot, and just in terms of changing the culture and that kind of thing. I remember one of our assistants had gone to see you play, and it was it was a big game. And I don't know if it was a conference, a like a conference championship type thing, or if it was a playoff game, or what what it was. But I remember them coming back and saying. They like the fact that at the end of the game you won the game not just on the shot you made, but you ended up getting double teamed and you passed out of a double team and a guy hit a game winner. Yeah, and, and, you're, country, country and, yeah, and the, you're yeah, and you're able yeah. to play. And it was that it was that notion of like, hey, we don't just have a guy, we have a guy who can do it all and understands basketball. And when you we started hearing those type stories, it was like, hey, we got the kind of guy that's going to fit our system here. Uh, but you you all four were like that. I mean. Mm-hmm you all had that mentality i I remember several times that we'd be in the locker room after a big win and i'd have to sit there and think about who had a really good game because nobody really cared as long Mm -hmm. as we won and i thought that i think that's one of the things that that probably differentiated
1: you guys as a group from other groups that come through college basketball i think the best thing that was for our group as well you know being with dakota pigeon and isaac is we all were guys on our team who of course we were you know the top dogs on the team and we're at like all of us were averaging somewhere from like 24 to 30 points a game and we're kind of like you know like we're tired of doing this on our own type of situation so we, we were like we finally got some help and we would always tell each other like could you imagine if we all played together in high school or we just had one of each other in high school I was like man we would have. I was like I know I would have want to stay like <laughs> and we would just like joke about it and laugh about it but we were serious and I think that carried over for us into college because it was like you have help now like sometimes you know I'm not knocking any of my teammates that I had in high school because they're all great but when you have guys who, you know, like a Dakota Mathias with a high IQ, can shoot the ball, pass, and do all those things, and P.J., who's just unselfish. You know, people don't know that P.J. was a dynamic scorer in high school. Like, right. From middle school, P.J. gave us 50 in the seventh grade. Like, people don't know those little things about him, and I hate that that's overlooked about him sometimes, but people do know he's unselfish and he takes care of the, care of the ball and he's a good point guard. But people do need to know that P.J. could also score the ball when he right. wanted to. So, And then Isaac was just always so much bigger. It was was 7'2", you know, in high school, it was nothing, there's not much you can do about that. But even if so, it's like, man, just having one of those three guys in high school would have been fine. But for us to come together in college and having Jaquil with the exception of Jaquil, even though he redshirted, it was just – it was a relief off each other's shoulders because it was like we all think the same. We all have the same mindset. We all want to win, and we all want to come together and do it. And I think we did it in the most unselfish ways.
0: Talk about uh, your upbringing. You come from a basketball family. Um, and it was documented a little bit on the journey on the Big Ten Network. <laughs> Your mom coaching you a little bit, which was awesome, by the way. Because talk talk through the one scene. So was it was it? She wanted you to pass, and yeah. you wanted to shoot, <laughs> as all little kids do. I mean, I'm I deal with it with my kindergartner. Um, I tell him to get others involved, and he looks at me like I got horns growing out of my head. Yeah, but uh, she wanted you to pass and you won to score and then uh, a little benching ensued but they had the footage which was amazing yeah. like the Big Ten the journey on the Big Ten Network is such a great show because they go in depth with everything I mean they travel to hometowns they go to you know talk to people but for them to get that footage and then put it in the in the piece was awesome but talk about talk about that and then get in a little bit about you the basketball and your family which is basically everybody
1: yeah well my mom played uh, a little bit and all the way to college she went to Sinclair out of Dayton community college and then she had my oldest brother so she had to stop but she was my very first coach and that was I was like maybe four or five years old in that clip, and we were playing in the interleague <laughs> Interl- <laughs> Interl- um, in Cincinnati. And I was playing for a team that was just – they wanted me to come out and play. My mom could coach. And I was so much bigger than everybody at the time, so it was kind of kind of an unfair advantage at that point in time. But I was scoring the ball really well, and my mom was kind of getting mad at me because some one of the parents are brought to our attention. And it wasn't like that much of a big deal when we were that younger, but they were right. just like – Do you think he is? And my mom was like, no, like, I don't think so. But you just don't know. When somebody, when you see somebody who can score the ball, like, it just, it doesn't really come to your attention. And my mom kind of noticed it and she was like, well, why aren't you passing the ball? And I was like, I don't want to. (laughs) I was like, I can score the ball. Like, why, why do I need to pass it? (laughs) And she was getting mad at me. So she, we came out of the timeout and she was like, nobody better not shoot this ball before five passes. She looked directly at me. So I was like, all right, Whatever. So I steal a ball, and we go. We come back another way, and I just dribbled up, and I shot a bank shot and made it. So we're running down the court, and my mom calls timeout. And I was just, as a little kid, it was just like that dun-dun-dun, that like that in the background, and she's <laughs> looking at me. And you can see it on the film. Big Ten did a good job of getting it. You know, my dad recorded everything, so he had it on uh, videotape, and Big Ten was able to take it and put it in and bring it to life a little bit more, so that was great. But she was like, come over here. I was like, no. She was like, come sit on the bench. You can see it in the film. I was like, I'm not trying to go over there. And she was like, get over here. So she benched me for the rest of the game. I didn't play from the, from the third quarter all the way through the fourth quarter. I thought she was going to put me back in, and she never did. And I just think that day, that day taught me that lesson. I think that's what made me you know, one of the most unselfish guys is that you can't do it by yourself. No matter if you can score 30 at night, you're not going to win you're not gonna be able to win at least championships without without other players, without great teammates. And I think that's what made me kind of start realizing that as a younger age and I started to get it. And I think that's what my mom wanted to install in me as a, as a person, you know, growing up. And then my dad and my brothers were just great supporting cast because my dad played overseas for 12 to 13 years. My brother played in the Big Ten as a freshman and then we continued at Miami Oxford. Like, so I had, you know, the mentors that I needed in my life. I just had to be willing to put in the work myself and I think that's what it all played out for me is, just having having that supporting cast, that family background. Not too many people can really say that. Everybody in their family played Division One or at right. a higher level. Right. So I think that was one thing that I just I tried to use to my advantage. Traveling with my dad and getting to see the European style play basketball, I watched that more than NBA growing up as a kid. So there's a lot of things I was trying to take from over there that I can try to install in my game, and it ended up working out for me in you no know, of areas of my game and. It was just always places I can improve by watching them and want to be just like them.
0: You talked about your dad's career. Uh, he was a very good co- collegiate player, and as you mentioned, played overseas for a long time. What's your earliest memory? Do you have, like, a specific moment where you can remember him playing?
1: Yeah, uh, my dad played for a team called Pauk, and they shared a gym. They were also – they shared a gym with Panathinaikos at the time, which are two really good franchises over there. And, and then what
0: country is this? This is Greece. Okay.
1: Yeah, and they are just going – they were going at it. And my dad came out in a headband. I was like, I've never seen my dad wear a headband before. And I think their team got down by, like, eight or ten points. He missed, like, his first four shots. And I can just remember him taking the headband off and of flinging it across the court. And I was like, all right, now my dad's back. So then he comes out, he's making shots, he's playing defense, he's rebounding. So – I think that was one of the funniest things I can remember about him, because my mom looked at me and I was—we were like, "Dad doesn't wear a head, man. Like, we don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he was trying that day, but <laughs> but that was that was just my earliest, uh, you know, memory. Remember him playing? I was probably four or five years old, around the same time as me being benched. So, I just there's so much cool things I got to experience that I'm so thankful for that a lot of kids don't get to. And to be able to see your your father play professionally, overseas in Europe and be able to do all that sightseeing. I went to school over there, so that was great. I got to see what it was like, you know, being from out of the country and being different. It and, and made me, you know, realize a lot of things that opened my eyes to, you know, a lot of people and just being diverse in culture and just not really seeing color at that time.
0: That's awesome. So your, uh, your two brothers played, you mentioned. Were they over there at the time with you? Oh, yeah. We were so all over you...
1: there. Yeah. It, it was a family affair. It was a lot of fun. My Uncle Rob, my dad's older brother, would come and visit. We had family that were from Texas, and they would come. It was it was crazy, you know, growing up, because you don't really get to have your family travel like that. And for us to all be there at of times and celebrating it with him, and you know, watching his games, wow. and just be able to play video games, go out and do things, it was it was crazy. And some of the relationships that we built with some of the families over there, I mean, we still have. We're able to connect with them on Facebook, so we kind of talk to them still. And it, it's pretty crazy to really see how much of a small world it really is and how people can find you thanks to social media nowadays when it's in a good way.
0: Right, right. That is that is wild. Um, so you guys come back. Your dad finishes playing. Uh, you come back. Um, you, As you mentioned, you go to high school in Middleton. And uh, Larry can attest to this, but some, uh, some pretty good um, lineage at Middleton. <laughs> um, some pretty good players over the years, including one of I believe one of your favorites, isn't it, Larry?
2: I'm an idol. You're growing I, up, actually, your idol, yeah. Jerry Lucas. I knew it. I said Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, see, I was. Uh, he was at Ohio State in uh, '60, '61, and two. Didn't play his freshman year. Uh-huh. And um, and then I gradu- graduated from high school in '65. So, you know, he, he that was in my you know early teens, and uh, I was I I'll, I'll never forget. Um, true story, and both of you will enjoy it, I think, is the fact that the 1960 National Championship game between Ohio State and California wasn't on regular television. And uh, the only way I could get it was at 11 o'clock at night. It was played at the Cow Palace in San Francisco, and they played uh, the University of California, who was uh, coached by Pete Newell, who was a mentor of uh, Coach Knight's. Of course, Bob Knight was on that team, that Ohio State team, but uh, that's when, um, Lucas was a sophomore and they won the national championship. Then the next two years played in the national championship game and lost both years to Cincinnati. But, uh, yeah, he was, he was, he was my idol and, uh, growing up and man, that guy hardly ever lost. I don't think he ever lost at Middletown, did he? Yeah, I don't he think won, in junior high.
1: Yeah, he won three yeah. straight, three straight state yeah. champions by himself. <laughs> he is yeah, a legit, yeah. legit player. <laughs> Score all those and, points without a three point line is, is unbelievable. Yeah,
2: he was he was a great great player. So he was a great guy. To, and um, uh, ironically, across the street from me, and I lived in Warren, Ohio, but across the street from me was my neighbor. His name was Phil Snowy, and he was uh, he was from Martin's Ferry, Ohio, which was where John Havlicek was from, and was raised with John Havlicek's brother. So we had a chance to go down. I, I had a chance to go down there maybe twice or three times to Ohio State to old st john's arena and then of course later in my career i had a chance to do games there which was a big thrill for me and but uh i can remember the first time i was down there and they, and they let me go in the locker room man it was like it was unbelievable i mean i was i was i i, I was like flying for like three weeks but <laughs> yeah but yeah i remember Middletown very well
0: well and and other players have come through Milton not just basketball players, but it's got a very good reputation for athletes coming through there. Yeah. Well, didn't Butch
1: Carter go there? Yep. Yeah, Butch and Chris. Yeah. Chris ended up being
0: pretty good, no? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chris Carter, one of the best wide receivers in NFL history, Butch Carter, um, Jerry Lucas, Vince Edwards. Your uh, your father went to Middleton, right? Yeah, he
1: graduated. Well, he actually he graduated from Middletown his senior year. He actually went a lot of different places because my grandma moved around a lot, so he didn't really never get to play basketball at Middletown. He only ran track at Middletown. Okay. So my dad was a really good uh, high jumper, and he caught all the at his knee and couldn't go to state. He'll never live it down. He'll <laughs> tell that story for the rest of his life. But I mean, it's it's been great. We've been able to produce some great guys. You know, we've got Kyle Schwarber playing for the Cubs. Jalen Marshall was playing with the Jets. So got some guys really out there just trying to make some trying to make some more noise for Middletown because we're kind of caught up in the past with Jerry and Chris, which are some pretty good names. But
0: Well, and I know you – did you have an event back there? And then and didn't they build a new gym recently? Oh, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. I was jealous about that still. <laughs> I was actually, you know, there, you know, being able to see it, not being able to go to the game. But they had an event in the old Wadey e. Miller where Jerry played most of his games at and it was just unbelievable to be announced in the same breath as a guy like that. You know, they introduced me second to last and they introduced him last. And I was like, man, like I'm, I'm standing next like to the, one of the greatest people ever. Like not even just in Middletown, like basketball history, period. You know, you won state championship, won the college championship, won an Olympic gold medal and the an NBA championship. Like not a lot of people can say that. So, you know, just to be standing and being in the same breath. I was second to anybody on the scoring list. I'm okay with being second to him, so <laughs> I passed my brother up, and I was happy about that. So I called bragging rights for high school after that.
0: You got the good one, right? You got you got the bra- eternal bragging rights in the family on that. So how how much how much trash talk is there, or was there, or is there since you're currently still playing? Your career will continue on here in the next few years. How much? Um, how much criticism or friendly rivalry or critique is there between dad and brothers
1: uh, every, and mom? <laughs> every day, um, every single day, whether we talk about playing one-on-one, whether we go to the gym, anybody gets out shot in the family, it's it's over. Your day is ruined. There's no dinner for you in peace. There's nothing, That rest of that day in peace. Like We go to the gym, we'll play one-on-one, we'll, we'll have a shootout. Now my mom is a really good free throw shooter, so she'll she'll get in there sometimes and shoot free throws. It's crazy. Like we go at it. <laughs> Everything we do is competitive. But at the end of the day, you know, they're my biggest critics and, you know, they just wanna see me be successful. And I feel like they've done that. And I feel like they've done it in the most respectful way and in the smartest way. And not just, you know, saying it because I was their child, but saying it because they understood the game of basketball and they understood what was going on. You know, even though sometimes they may not be in a locker room, things like that, I'll have to explain to them, but they didn't really try to make it seem like, you know, they just wanted, even though they do want what's best for me, they, they didn't just want that because they knew in order for me to have the best or be successful, that the whole organization had to be successful. So that's one thing I can really say that I had to an advantage of knowledge is having, you know, people who've been there and done it. And then, they, you know, in that certain level, in that certain professional world, and having you know the coaches staff and staff that I had here at Purdue, so those are just the two things that I feel like I always had and always will have
0: well, and the thing that you take away too is just the winning um you know you guys as a as a group um just that mutual trust with the staff and coaches here and then then the staff and coaches trusting in you and you guys um and you get to leave here and you know you're you you guys will always be linked by coming back and seeing that banner up there that yeah. you guys hung so um i know it's it's funny because for those that are listening like we talk about that a lot in the locker room like coach painter's big on like you know when you get back when you come back to campus in 20 years 30 years and if you choose to have a family or, or bring people you know back to campus with you how cool would it be to look in that right row after us and say hey i was on that team you know and uh And for you guys to be able to kind of do that, um, and and the way you, as popular as you guys are now, I mean, you'd think the Beatles would be walking around when we go places. I mean, these guys, I don't know how many beers you're going to have to buy in Harry's when you come back from (laughs) But it's got to be rewarding to know that you guys have left your mark. And, and, you know, from now until you stop coming back to West Lafayette, when you do roll through here, you're going to have something to point to and, and a reminder of your time here.
1: I mean, yeah. And I think one thing that we did as a group especially our classes, we made sure that we let everybody know that we didn't think we were above anybody just because right. that we were basketball players for Purdue. Like, we didn't care about that. We were just as friendly. Like We made sure people knew that you could talk to us anytime you want to. We're not going to ignore you. We're not going to act like we don't know you. Like, it was none of that. Like, we wanted to be just as active with the student body as we could as possible. And I know me, myself, I wanted to as well. Like, I would always say that you know when we have the first day of class, and it's not that big of a class, so you're in a small group, kind of lecture type thing, and you're going around the table, introduce yourself, your major, where you're from, blah blah blah. And people be like, you know, like this and that. I just be like, you know, like yeah, I play, you know, for the basketball team. And I can see some people give all some looks, and I'm like, I'm not that guy. Like, you might, you might get that vibe or been told stories, but I was like, we're not those people. Like, we're we're just as friendly. Like anything you want to know, ask. Like you can you can come up and talk to us. Like. We're not gonna brush you off, we're not gonna ignore you. Like we're gonna open we're gonna take it with open arms and we'll talk to you, we'll hold conversations with you, we'll hang out with you. Like so that was one thing I think that we really took pride on. I think that's what people really respect about us around here is that we just walked around like we we're normal people. We did not wanna be treated any differently than others. But you know, some things happen and that's the way it goes sometimes with sports, but that's one thing. We just want to want everybody to know that we want to be just as equal as them.
0: Well, I know just because I'm involved with it a lot of the different community outreach things that we do here as a program, but I know, and I would like, I think it's important that all of our listeners know that whatever we were doing as a team, whether it was a community appearance or maybe just um, a moment during summer camp when we had youth around or things like that, Vince was always one of those guys that took the lead on kind of talking for the team. <laughs> and I got to tell you... Um, that is so it was it was so great because it got to a point where i would just kind of introduce people to you and then i could just stand in the back of the room and not have to do anything because you took over and it was awesome i mean i can't tell you how great that is um that you could just feel so comfortable in almost any setting we could be talking to a group of retirees we could be talking to a group of elementary kids um high school kids your peers every year like we would go over and uh, spend an evening with the pep band and the boiler brass over in LA hall of music and you guys basically thank them for all the support they give the program and we take over some autographed posters for them and every year we would go over there my man Vince here is taking the lead just kind of running the show and it was it's great and I think that that I think it's really one of the reasons as you alluded to of why you guys are so popular with our fans and, and on campus and have such good reputations but also too, uh, I think it's a lesson that will it's going to serve you well the rest of your career and life because there's going to be other moments where you're going to be kind of in the spotlight and you just seem like a natural at it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just try to remember that, you know, whether it's talking to some retirees, it's like those are people who are the oldest but the wisest. So retain all the information that you can because they're either going to do some things that you've done or know some things better than you know and why not learn from them whether it was talking with peers. It's just all about interacting at that point. You can laugh and joke and have fun right. with them, and that's right. easy. But then also, you know, with the kids, with it being summer camp or just sitting around in Lafayette, like, I remember I was that kid. Like, I wanted to, to talk to some college players or some high school players who were who were older than me, but I thought the world of, and they right. didn't know that. So I know how that felt. So anytime I see a kid or someone who's younger than me, I'm, I'm more than willing to interact because I was that kid. So it's like, I don't want to be that person that's just like, as a kid, give this kid a picture or even just say what's up to him. Like if I see a kid staring at me, I'm like, Hey, like how you doing? Like, you can talk to me, like we don't have to do this and they just kinda get showered and laugh and then right. we end up start talking. But that's just how I am. Um, you know, that's the way I was raised, but like I said, just being that kid, I think that's what really got it for me. It was I was always that kid. I want to be like those guys. So Once I became someone that people started to look up to, I was like, man, this is great because now I get to interact with the kids and and hopefully, you know, one day that they make it here to where we are and then they do the same thing. So I just wanted to kind of be a a circle of life.
2: Let me interject in here, too, because um, I I really believe um, this is so overlooked in, in college athletics or in high school athletics. Right. I've spent some time over the years and I'll go, one of the things I like to do is go to a game, uh, and just kind of hide and, uh, and just look at it. And the thing that whether it's at the high school level or at the college level is to, um, just look around you and see who's, for example, I, I remember this really well this year when we went to Iowa, as you guys know, I'm always in there a couple hours before the game, just like you guys are Yeah, I travel with you. So, um, And I, every once in a while I'm, I'm just like you guys. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm, my eyes are wide open. And although I've done this for 45 years, it's like, man, this is so cool to come to a college game. And and so then I just look at everybody, I'm looking at the ushers and I'm looking at the people that bring the stats and I'm looking at the people that do the floor and all that. But the people I really center my attention to are the young kids, you know, those ball boys the uh you know some of the young kids that come in with their dads or their moms and uh, girls too and and you watch and you watch them and and you just and I've always wondered you know I hear this all the time well high school basketball isn't the way it used to be college basketball isn't what they used to be pro basketball isn't what it used to be mm-hmm. but I realize there's a lot of things that uh, take our attention away from certain things and from athletics and things of that nature but Boy, if you go to a big-time college basketball game and you just look at all the people and how big and wide-eyed those kids are between, say, the ages of 7 and 12, it just blows your mind. I mean, you can sit there and really, really feel good about it. And you know every one of those kids look up to somebody like you. And, and, and the fact that you interact with them and understand that and we're one of those guys and remember it, that's a, that's a big pat on your back. I also have to bring this up before we before we end up, and I don't bring this up there was a lot said about uh, mo Wagner uh, uh helping a, a player during the during the tournament and i i saw the identical same thing that bench did uh and it was in the um it was in the Rutgers game and it was uh cory sanders and uh he i mean those guys played a terrific game against us and they thought they were going to beat us and 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 i know in their minds that they thought they had it and that kid played a hell of a game and and he had he basically had succumbed at the end of the game and he basically was you know he was sobbing he was sitting on the floor exhausted worn out and this guy right here is the guy that helped him off the floor and it was really a, a really a tremendous moment and you are to be congratulated for that that was so a cool let that go
0: that was a cool moment and in in the garden and uh, of all places. Uh, Big time yeah. stage like that, yeah. But yeah. But, I, but that that again, I think it's kind of a the common theme with you guys. I think it's one of the reasons that made you guys so popular. Um, is not only the the wins, which is always going to be a key to that, <laughs> but it's the way you guys went about it and the way you handled yourself, which, uh, as Larry said, is is most certainly to be uh, be commended. So um, that's that's you know again, that's one of the reasons. And and in this day and age those kind of moments are captured more than ever with I mean you you're all aware of how the, the cameras that are in your face I mean now anymore we're playing like Larry said the road game at Iowa and we travel with camera people right, yeah. and we travel with social media so we've asked others on the on the show this before but is that something you ever get used to?
1: I think so, after a while. I think it's funny to see how everybody handles it. Everybody always sees Carson, because Carson loves cameras. He loves dancing. <laughs> He's goofy. Like He loves jumping in front of them. He loves doing his thing. You know, no, no, Joe's kind of one of those people, too, like him. Yeah. That, so if you see a lot of goofy videos that Boilerball is posting, it's like mostly those, two, and Then you see guys like Dakota. It's like, man, get that out of here. Like, he doesn't really want to do like, anything to do with it. But, you know, if he needed to do it, he would. But, and I think that's just, you know, how everyone is. Like, everybody's different about it. Like, some people don't care for it. Some people, like, love it. Some people love the attention. Like, I was kind of one of those guys who's just kind of, like, in between. And it really didn't matter to me. Like, I wasn't bothered by it. If I needed to do it, I did it. And sometimes I wanted to do it just for the fun of it. So, it's just all about having fun with it. I don't think you can be annoyed with any of it because one of these days is going to be gone. And that's the thing that I try to cherish the most about is because, Know about 30 more years. You're not gonna have people following around with cameras. You're not gonna have cameras in your face. People want to interview, ask you questions. So I just try to soak it all up while I can right now.
0: Do you ever think back? And I think I know we talked to PJ about this. When you look at your four years here, um, not only just how much you've grown as a as a man and as a player, but also just some of the experiences and some of the travel we've done I mean <laughs> we've logged a lot of miles together I yeah. mean it's been it's been incredible the places we've seen um, and some really really cool gyms arenas atmospheres in the states but also being able to go to Spain and be able to go to Taipei and those type places um, and that's not even to get into the the Maui's and the, bah- and the Bahamas and Cancun and all that <laughs> stuff. But, I mean, it's been a heck of a four years in terms yeah. of getting to see some things.
1: I mean, uh, we got to be a part of the best of the best tournaments. I mean, the tournaments that we all used to talk about, especially me and PJ, because, you know, me and PJ are always kind of by each other on the planes or whether we we're traveling or something. And we just be like, man, these are these are the tournaments we watched as kids growing up. Like, we watched Kimball Walker and these tournaments, yeah. like Austin Rivers. Like, just all those guys, like. We watched these guys tear up the Maui's, tear up the Bahamas, and it's like, man, we're a part of it. We watch these guys play in Madison Square. And for us to be able to, you know, kind of cement a legacy into that of our own, I think was what shocked us. It was like we were little kids in that moment. Yeah, Like I think we couldn't get past that as, you know, just the players that we are and as the people that we are. But that was the amazing thing about basketball is you don't know the places that this game can take you. And once you get there, it's – it's so self-serving like it's it's the most shocking thing like i can remember getting out of maui and me and pj thought the background was fake like we thought it was painted like it was just (laughs) it was that like it was just that pretty like it was just an amazing you know scenery and sightseeing for us and like you said being able to go to maui being able to go to bahamas being able to go to cancun being able to go to taipei and being able to go to spain i think and all the places that we got to visit in spain i think I think that will forever be something that we will all cherish together as, as four seniors.
0: Well, it was awesome to experience all those places with you guys because you were uh, great uh, representatives of Purdue and, and the program and uh, won a lot of games along the way, which is always uh, nice as well. So, I wanted to I wanted to give you a chance to ask or to bring uh, our listeners and everybody kind of up to speed on what life is like right now because you're finishing your academic career, yeah, but you're looking ahead. To your professional career, and you're kind of at a kind of at an in between where you're kind of uh, waiting on things to happen in terms of the draft and that kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, you can't wait. You have to continue to work out and stay in shape yeah. and that kind of thing. So just kind of talk us through. What the last two weeks have been like, what the next month is going to be like, and kind of what you are expecting to do here over the next few weeks.
1: I was going to get that it, um, you know. After we had took the, you know, the tough loss at Texas Tech, probably literally took two days off and was right back at it because I think last year that was one of my mistakes is I kind of took like a week off and I was like, man, like they say it takes three days to get out of shape and months to get back into shape. So I remembered that this year and I was like, I'm not doing that again. And just going, just going at it. Like it, it's one thing to kind of just stop, and then get back going. And it's one thing to just keep going. And you just better off just keep going. Like you'll have days where you can get extra rest, or days where you can get treatment. But you know, these next few, these next few months is is working out day in and day out. Um, getting up early, getting in the weight room, getting shots up, then taking care of your body, getting some treatment, then get back after it in the afternoon. So these next couple of weeks, um, I signed with Three I Sports out of Atlanta, Georgia. And I'll be heading down there very soon to, you know, continue the training and start training with those guys and the guys that they already have signed there and some of the guys that are in my class. And I think it'll be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I don't like the waiting game. Right, right. The process, I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, being able to say I'm able to pursue a professional career while graduating from Purdue University I think is an amazing thing. But that's just how it's going to go. It's just going to be workout out workout. Uh, we'll see if I get invited to the combine, who knows, and then go at it from there, see what teams call, see where I have to go work out, and just try to get get after it in that nature. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun these next couple months. Uh, and then come back on May 11th and walk across the stage for one last time here at Purdue. I think that's going to be the most amazing moment for me. You know, Accomplishing your dreams and making it an NBA is one thing, but to be able to say you, you got your education and your degree and be able to still pursue that dream is a whole other operation that you can't really wrap your mind around until it happens.
2: Well, One, of hey, the, one, one, yeah. one, one, one final note, though, on that, uh, as you as the Final Four happened, you were in that three-on-three tournament that they... Yeah. <laughs> initiated this year and you won the darn thing which uh, meant that you won a check and that, that, that had to be like cool I mean I realize it's not like for 1.6 million but it right. was a pretty good pop anyway
1: yeah no it's and a really uh, good start <laughs>
2: <yeah>. <laughs> exactly because you haven't you been presenting one of those in your career yeah. so that would really be nice
1: yeah produced cut me off from getting checks because I'm not <laughs> in the program anymore so, that was a, no that was a really good start for me though to be able to go down there and get that experience and Get to talk to Rob a little bit, cause of course he was announcing and being able to play with the other Big Ten guys. Really uh, built some good relationships with Rob Johnson and and Nate Mason. Me and Jeshon already knew each other, so that was just kind of like a reunion. And it was just a lot of fun to play with those guys and play in that environment. And then also play against and spend time with other people. I think that was the most fun, and just kind of reunite with some of those guys. Some of those guys are guys I played against at top 100 camps or AU tournaments and. So being able to go down there and, and start your career off with some cash in your back pocket is a lot of fun.
2: <laughs> well, you, did, you, you didn't spend it all in one night, did you? Oh,
1: no. <laughs>
0: Not at all.
2: You didn't, you didn't walk into a room and say drinks are on me. Nah.
0: He, he wasn't Larry he didn't. Yeah, yeah. You well, had to bring that up.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, one of the things I wanted to, to bring up was, um, it's and it's been in the news all over the place with everybody – uh, the ability to declare, go on workouts with NBA teams, and then uh, as long as not, you don't sign up with an agent, you're able to come back. Um, now, of course, at this point in your career, you're going to be going through those workouts um, because your eligibility here at Purdue is exhausted and you're moving on to your professional career. But you took advantage of that uh, last year and were able to go on some NBA workouts and, uh, and get that experience. So now that you're going into it again, And you've had a chance to kind of evaluate, you know, uh, having gone through this before, um, talk to us about the benefits of that. And is that something that you think is good for underclassmen to be able to do, uh, especially since you're in a position now to do it, you know, as a a pro for real?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's huge benefits to be able to say that you can get one step closer to your dream. It's like if you're just working a normal job and you have a chance to, attend attend something that's going to help you you know, prosper in your job and help you get a raise, like a meeting. You're not going to go and attend that meeting. I think you are. Right. So that's the same way for you know being a basketball player if you want to be an NBA guy. Even though it's a small window, if you're fortunate enough to get teams to call you in for a you know, workout, you go. You don't think about it. You don't hesitate. You go. And I mean, who knows? A team might fall in love with you be like, hey, we had no intentions of drafting you, but we want to take you. Or a team's going to be like, look, You know, we think you're an NBA guy. We just don't think you're all the way there yet, and this is what you need to work on to get here. And I think that's the constructive criticism that you have to be able to take as a player is that these teams are not saying that you can't make it because if they didn't think you could make it, they wouldn't have invited you to come work out for them. Right. They're telling you that you're just not ready yet. There's something that you need to do first, and they'll tell you what that is that you need to do, whether it's getting stronger, improving a shot, you know getting your body better, whatever it is. And guys have done it. You know, Biggie, take Biggie for an example, a guy who totally transformed his body and, and got better day in and day out. And he he improved his stock doing that. And he came back and he dominated and it worked out for him. So, you know, guys just got to do it and trust, you know, trust the process. It sounds cliche, but that's what it really is all about is being able to go in those workouts and take the constructive criticism because they're helping you and they're trying to get you to get there. Cause those are the teams that might take you a year or two down the road. They just want right. to see you improve. So, because once you get into that league, it's a dog eat dog world. Like, right? It's not really too much to say after that. It's like you, you know what you got to do. You got to come in here. You got to come ready to work, or you might be out the next day. These are eighteen to twenty two year old kids trying to come in and take a a twenty five to thirty year old spot. Like they're not gonna lay over like that. It's it's all about you know, feeding of family, taking care, and and it's pride involved in that as well. So. They're just trying to get you know get young men ready to become you know grown men and get ready for a real world.
0: Yeah, that's well put, and I think um, of all the guys we've had who've done that, you being one of them, um, I don't see any downside to it. You know, it's on the NBA team's dime, and uh, they're bringing you in. Uh, at the very least, like you said, it's a chance for you to. Uh, for them to get to know you, even on a personal level, to find, yeah. to find out what kind of person you are, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of times, as you said, it's my, they may not be worried about the upcoming draft; they may be worried about a draft, a, a season or two down the road, and uh, they're doing their homework, but at the same time, preparing you guys for the time when it is when for the the uh, eventuality when it is your time mm-hmm. to be in that draft. So, uh, it's one of those rare things that's kind of a win win for, for people in our business. So, hopefully, that continues. Um, as we go forward here so uh, well I want to bring up the uh, final four questions here on the podcast these are four questions we ask every guest we have on here so I will start with our first question here on the final four with Vince Edwards and that is what is your go to music of choice
1: go to music of choice is some some Uh, (laughs) Drake normally uh, I like I'm kind of a mellowed out guy I'm really chill so I'm kind of listening to some slow jams, really. Like I'm maybe listening to a little Chris Brown here and there, some Drake. I like to listen to gospel a little bit before I play, so I'm not your typical listening to a whole bunch of rap before a game because it's not really how I get ready. I kind of just like to, to chill myself out and mellow myself out a little bit before games.
0: Who's got the worst taste in music on the team? <laughs>
1: Ooh, uh, I mean, Carson listens to some weird people sometimes. <laughs> I wouldn't say weird, they're just different, and that's like how he's different. So some of the music he plays, I question it a little bit, but whatever gets him ready to play, I, it works, so he can keep doing whatever he's doing.
0: Larry, do you have any music you listen to before a broadcast
2: to get you going? Uh, recently, it's been Puddle of Mud.
1: <laughs> really?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not to before doing a podcast but uh, yeah hey, i'm <laughs> i'm one of the person that has the strangest musical taste of anybody alive so yeah. I, I i never i never know who alexa will put on next
1: here alexa, here. You gotta alexa. For, hey but it, hey
2: but it's good for me i mean it's good for me especially at my age because i'm being introduced to Things I never knew existed. <laughs> oh, that's cool.
0: Well, I know Vince was one of those guys that when we were doing uh, some shooting drills, he was always one of the ones to request some music being pumped <laughs> into the arena. Which, always, which we did for a long time. It went pretty well, and then we had a little hiccup in. Uh, it went pretty bad in the Bahamas. <laughs> got and sour. Coach Painter put in. Put an end to the music during the during the shooting <laughs> drills. Yeah, real sour. Back to back losses. We'll do that. We'll do that for
2: you. So, oh, the only one I remember last year was the fire drill one in Mackey. Oh,
1: that was terrible. So, oh for, yeah, so far, done,
2: that was uh, that was on for what? Like, golly, I know it sounded like which game minutes. was that? It wasn't a game. It was a practice. but uh, it was before. Uh, okay. the Okay, it was the, like the day, day, day before, before a game. I think we're really yeah. trying
1: to get ready for the IU game but it was like we were trying to put the noise that's what it was but then the fire alarm came on so So this was i think the
0: day before we were leaving for bloomington or maybe the day before indiana was coming here we're in practice in Mackey, and it
2: was this year it was this year so this year so we were getting ready
0: to go to bloomington the fire alarms go off and at first we thought it was just a test so nobody really did anything and then people and went, started, on and and on, went on and on, and then finally people started coming in saying, "No, you guys need to leave." And we were saying, "Well, it's kind of—is it really important that we leave because we're kind of in the middle of of something important here?" And we found out later it was a popcorn fire in the <laughs> yeah, exactly in one of the exactly. concession stands.
2: <laughs> yes, it was a popcorn fire. But if which
0: bothered? But if you were driving by Mackey and you saw the 100 people standing outside on the sidewalk, you wouldn't think it was a popcorn fire, you'd think it was something very serious. Right.
2: Yeah, exactly. And of course, you have to do what they tell you to do. And, and the, But the trouble with it, they have a automated signal sound, this guy does oh. this thing. If you are in the building, you ha- and it was repeated over and over and over, <laughs> and I just, kept, I just kept waiting for someone to eventually say, no, no, this is over and 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 paint just kept doing his thing and the coaches kept doing the players and i can't imagine what the players were thinking but i'm just sitting i'm just sitting over there watching and i'm saying man this is really driving me crazy i don't know what to do about this but you know that that reminded me the the story back in the 80s when i was doing television locally and we had a lead story one time when they had the west lafayette theater and it was a smoke uh, it was a uh, false. It wasn't a false alarm, but it was a smoke in the lobby of the West Lafayette Theater was our lead story on TV18, and it too was caused by a popcorn malfunction. <laughs> 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 oh, the old and that got on the air. Uh, I was, man, I'm serious as punch. That was our lead story that night
0: The old popcorn <laughs> fire, is big deal yeah. in the uh, Greater Lafayette. Okay, question number two here on the Final Four, Vince. What is your favorite book or maybe a good book you've read recently?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one.
0: Probably one of your academic books. (laughs) You're so fond of.
1: (laughs) No, not that. I'm I'm trying to think of the name of a book I just started reading. It's actually really good. Um, one of my mentors actually put me he he's like, you need to start reading this book. And I was like, no, like, I'm not too fond of reading, you know, for fun. <laughs> I was like, we're well, just going to be sitting here and be honest. He was like, no, like, I really think it's some good food for thought. So I had to remember that book and then tweet it out later because I feel bad that I forgot the name of it right now. Hey, but... it,
2: happens, hey, it happens to me every day. <laughs> People ask me, what are you reading now? And I might be reading four or five things and I can't remember one title. Let alone the author, so you're yeah, okay. Larry always That's gives me, normal.
0: Larry so. always gives me a synopsis of what he's reading instead of a title. So, <laughs> question <Yeah. laughs> question number three here on the final four: What is if you could wave a wand and do any profession you wanted, other than basketball? Ooh. What would it be?
1: Oh wow! Um, if I could wave a wand, I would just have to say it would just be sports broadcasting. Really? Yeah. I'm I'm really big into that. Actually, that's one of the things I want to do when I stopped playing basketball one day. I think that's just been a thing that I kind of gravitated to, and just seeing guys like Shaq and and, and Charles Barkley and Kenny and you know all those guys on there on TNT just really makes it all worthwhile. And trying to be a part of is a lot of fun, and they have fun with it. You know, you got guys like KG who has his own little show. Chris Webber, Reggie Miller, like just, right, all those guys are just on there. I mean, with that being said, those are some great players, so they don't just let anybody <laughs> get on there. But I think that's oh one. anybody
2: can get on there. Hummel's <laughs> on it. <there now. laughs> Hummel made it. You can make it. Yeah, right? yeah, you can make it, bitch. You're all right. Yeah, but uh, no, I took
1: a um, television broadcasting class with Doug Osmond. Uh, it was COM three thirty two thirty two, and I think that was just the best thing that could ever happen to me because. I had a lot of question of what I wanted to do, you know, if basketball didn't work out or, you know, the ball stopped bouncing one day, which it will. And taking his class and creating that relationship with him really helped me figure out that that's what I really want to do. And he thought, he was like, I think he got the voice for it. I think he had the face for it. He said, I think it would be a lot of fun. And so we kind of got after a little bit and I started looking deeper into it. And I would meet with him and we'd talk about, you know, some scenarios and things like that. And we're still in contact to this day. So... Uh, you know, I really thank him for helping me get into that because that's something that I really I really look at.
0: It's amazing. I, I tweeted something over the weekend because the NBA playoffs are starting and my son's a kindergartner and he's really into basketball and uh, he's following this new the, – the, the current crop of stars and LeBron and Steph and Harden and all these guys. And uh, he's – we're in the basement, the games are on, and I'm watching the Cavs and Pacers and I'm a Pacer fan. So I was happy that day because that was Game One. <laughs> and in the background, he's shooting on this mini goal, and he's as he's making shots, he's going, "That's good, that's good," like uh, Breen does, mm-hmm. the, who's basically the TV voice of the NBA now, yeah, does all the NBA Finals.
1: He's ridiculous. I love his voice.
0: Yeah, and so he, but that his catchphrase, you know, "That's good." Mm-hmm. And here's my son back there doing it, and I had never, I didn't realize he, my son, watched that much basketball to be able to <laughs> pick up the catchphrase. But sure enough. And it just reminded me. I mean, that was me uh, a long time ago doing the same exact thing. To and in this case was Tommy Heinsohn and Dick Stockton. He used to always call the NBA Finals on CBS or Brent Musburger, and I was doing the, the same stuff. I was running around my parents' house and shooting on a little Nerf goal and, sh- and saying all those catchphrases. And so it's amazing. Uh, it's amazing how it kind of comes full circle like that. And now the new the new announcers that are that you're talking about. Mm-hmm um you know when i was growing up it was uh tommy Heinsohn was one of the main guys um who were some of the other guys cliz and of course not many games were televised then so it wasn't like you had 15 guys doing it
2: you had <laughs> well, they, you um, a handful but, but the guys that i grew up though were even before them were the guys like kirk gowdy and um dick emberg and uh, people like that and then musburger came you know musburger started with that uh with the opening the nfl show the, right. the original nfl nfl pre show you know yeah. yeah and then and then uh and then started doing play-by-play for all the networks and of course i legendary dude but and then you know and then uh and then yeah, who was the guy the tennessee guy uh oh lindsey nelson <laughs> Uh, and then Keith Jackson and all those guys came when you were, you know, they were still doing their thing. When
0: I do were, remember when during the, when up. Jordan came along and some of those '90s games, it was always the the, the guys on the call were always uh, Bill Walton was always involved, but Steve Sne- uh, Steve Snapper Jones was a big a big guy uh, name calling games uh, in terms of color commentary. Matt Gukas was one, Hubie Brown, those kind of guys. But uh, oh, yeah. it's amazing that. And yeah, the I little mean, guy, Fratello.
2: Mike, Mike Fratello
0: has been doing it for yeah. a long time, the czar. It's amazing, though, You know, Vince brings
2: it up. And then the, is, and then the legend, the legend in the NBA, of course, was, was Marv, Marv Albert. Marv Albert, yeah,
0: and still doing it. And the, the thing that Vince brings yes. up, though, is there's so many guys now doing it. I mean, he just mentioned Reggie and uh, Chris Weber and. Kenny and Charles and Shaq and all these guys Steve Smith's doing games I mean there are so many more crews and uh, former players that are calling there's so many games yeah. so many games' I
2: mean <laughs> back in those days you're like of course look when I grew up the NFL had 12 teams the uh, the NBA probably had the same. So, it was the St. Louis Hawks and the Boston Celtics in the Finals, and you only had one playoff round prior to getting there. You right. won the East, you won the West, and then you played for the championship, right? So I mean, it's so much different today because you but now you got best of sevens doing everything. every game is telling yeah it's every amazing. every every one of them it's amazing, yeah.
0: All right, Vince, last question here on the Final Four, and this is tough for you guys because so much of your life has been documented and out there and everything, but uh, what is one little-known fact or something that no one knows about you?
2: Wow. I'm
1: trying to think. I mean, as it's foreman does a good job of putting out so much so it it makes it tough uh
0: chris wanted to plug today because he (laughs) although all those stats i read about vince earlier uh chris foreman our sports information guy supplied those and his his only charge for doing that is that i plug his name during the podcast (laughs) so make sure i give him his props
1: yeah uh i don't know that's that's really a good question because of the simple fact that i feel like Everything that – I've been asked that question since I've been here for four years, so I feel like I've always given a different answer. But now I'm to the point where it's just kind of like – I feel like everybody – I mean, all of our fans know. I don't feel like there's really anything I do outside of that, that that they don't really know about. Like, I'm just, you know, the typical chill.
0: I'm trying to think if you have any quirks. <laughs> I'm trying to think if you have any quirks. Like, if you eat anything odd on the road
1: right You're pretty. You're a pretty normal guy. Yeah. <laughs> just pretty – Just kind of stay in my boundaries i know i know what i want to eat what not to eat i'm not that guy to just really try anything bizarre <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right well larry any well, there any, he is
2: he's our, he's our first guest ever in 40 how many shows 41 42, 42. only answered two of the four final four <laughs> that could be your little
0: known fact
2: <laughs> yeah he got he got overwhelmed by the final four questions <laughs> any parting shots larry for vince uh, tremendous representative Purdue University this whole class has been and, you know it's um, for me I, I was thinking the other day how many of these four-year cycles I've been through about uh, ten of them and uh, this is one of the this is one of the great classes that I've ever went through here there's no question I mean you know we have fragmented classes and uh, rarely do you get this large of a group of guys but to have the success that they had is so so rare so this all you know we you're right. You said earlier, uh, Elliot. You know, you remember Big Dog and Conzo. You re- you know you remember uh, the triplets. You remember, um, you know that first group that uh, Gene had in '84 when they won their first championship. You know, like uh, like Kirk Clausen and, and, and those guys and uh, Eifert's uh, dad and uh, those guys. You know, and everyone has this group, uh, Cardinals group, and then Austin's group, uh, Chad and Woody and you know, all these guys, but th- this is this is one of the greatest groups we've ever had, and uh, they'll always be remembered. And, and Vince was, and you mentioned it earlier when you when you look at those numbers and you cite players like that and say, well, he's one of three guys all right. in the last twenty five years to do something. That's unbelievable. I mean, that's unbelievable. You know, paint and I taught You know, I never played at the college level. I I, I was recruited and I signed and I went and I failed. And uh, I always regretted it. You got a guy like Payne who played in the Big Ten, and and you know he scored what eight points a game or six points a game or something, which really is a hundred times more than I ever did. And then when you see a guy like this put those numbers together, one of the, one of the three guys in the last twenty five years of this, okay. time, I mean that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And so my hats off to. You. He's been a great representative of Purdue university and one of our best players ever. And. We wish him the very best, and hope he can do it just as well in, in, in his future careers, starting with basketball. Appreciate it,
1: Cliff. Well, Absolutely. One,
0: and one of the things, uh, Vince, that might be the one of the best compliments we can give you, and you guys always hear the coaches referencing past players. Mm-hmm. Oh, you guys didn't do what this guy did or that guy did. Well, it's, gonna, it's about to come full circle <laughs> yeah. because you guys are about to get mentioned in that same breath. I can guarantee you that some of the guys coming through the door are going to be saying, who hey. is this Vince Edwards dude? Man, they keep talking about this dude like he's like he's got no flaws or anything. And that's going to be said several times over say, the next
2: few years. Hey, like I can say one thing in parting, though. The one thing in parting was, unfortunately, when Carson came into the program, we had two Edwards that played a lot of minutes together. And <laughs> I got so many complaints from people say, hey, you know, Vincent is 12. And uh, and Carson is three, and and when you say Edwards has this or Edwards it's a three, you know you got to mention which one it is every <laughs> single time. And I go back to my I go back to my uh, junior college days when I had a team, and this is a true story. I had a team that had three Davises that started, oh, and wow. two and two Johnsons. <laughs> so I had two Johnsons and three Davises on the starting five. Oh, wow. Now now I should have been able to figure out between Carson and Vincent, because I sure as hell could not figure out between those five dudes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, in, high,
1: in high school, my sophomore year, we had three Edwards in the starting lineup. It was me, my cousin, and my uncle. So people can get – people <laughs> wow. was like, well, dang, how many Edwards did they have? So, <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs> it was funny.
0: Exactly. That is wild. Larry, there's an unbelievable joke in there just teed up ready to go about your junior <laughs> college team, but this is yeah. a family show. Yeah. Yes. I. I, I uh, we are yeah. not going to go there. <laughs> I okay. want to so bad, but in the next five minutes after we stop recording, I will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I right.
2: know where you're headed.
0: All right, Vince. Well, thanks so much for taking time. It's uh, been an absolute pleasure. Um, no, I know we'll see more of you, and then we look forward to getting you back on here uh, down the road where your professional careers take you, and we'll get an update and update everybody on, on where you're at and what you'll be doing. But thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. All right, that was episode 42 here on the podcast, everybody. And our guest, Vince Edwards, want to thank everybody for listening. Appreciate all the support for the podcast. Remember, you can reach us at boilerballpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to drop us a line and let us know who you'd like to see on future podcasts. Until next time, be curious, be informed, and be well.